Thrive Church. Good to see all of you today. Good to see all of you today. Um, have, those of you who are parents, have there ever been this moment in your parenting when you're looking at your kids or child, depending on your set of circumstances, and you said this? <laughs> you're lucky you're cute. I was going to say, yeah, you're going to be honest, because you're in church, right? But there are moments where you're like, oh, 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 oh. and it's, it's the, the, the best part is, is that you just, you're in shock over the audacity of whatever your issue is, you know, and it's, you just, I can't believe it. And then, and then this, this phrase is usually followed by, boy, are you just like your parent, your, 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 your mother or your father or whatever it is you know, happen to be, you know, I blame most of the stuff on my wife. When we all know whose problem, you know, fault it really is, right? And everyone's going, uh huh, yeah, we know. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you're lucky you're cute. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes, sometimes, I'm lucky you're cute. I'm lucky that you're cute. Now, <clears throat> yes, I'm blessed with two amazing daughters. I'm fortunate. I've got cute kids. That's not what I'm talking about. All those things are true, of course, but I'm not talking about that. Every now and then you have an occasion um, where our, our family has benefited by the cuteness of our kids. Let me give you an example of this. So a couple years ago we went to Walt Disney World and we're walking up to, uh, I think it was a Beauty and the Beast show, if I remember, and a cast member spotted my girls, and we got to be the royal family for that day. And the royal family meant that we got like front row seats, and the girls got like a, I don't know, some kind of Beauty and the Beast rose or something that probably retailed for $35.99 at the, you know, it was like this big and kind of a thing. Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun because, you know, we got to sit in the special seating and, and, they all applauded for us and this kind of thing. and it's Largely because kids are cute, right? Now, f- this is not the only time this has happened to us. This has happened on a couple of occasions. Most recently, my wife had our youngest, Eliana, at a uh, production, I think it was down at the PAC in Tulsa, and uh, I, I don't remember what it was, but the MC came out, and he was the president of um, the... Uh, Tulsa Theater Guild or something along those lines. I don't remember what his title was, but he came out into the crowd, and it was d- uh, specifically for a kid's production. So there's lots of kids in the crowd. It's around Christmas time, and he's asking questions like, okay, who can name all the, the reindeer? And, you know, some kids, you know, are laughing and joking it up, and it's, you know, um, uh, you know, Donor and Blitzen and Sleepy and Doc and, you know, and, and whatever kind of a thing. <clears throat> and then he asks, do you, any of you have your Christmas lists, lists done? Well, my nine-year-old, her hand shot up like a rocket because I think she's had that thing done since about March, right? She knew what she wanted. And so the guy walks over and talks to her. And for whatever reason, um, when he asked her, you know, what's on your list, my daughter says clay. Not Nintendo or something like that, clay. And he's like, what do you mean? You know, like, you know, sculpting clay. Oh, okay. You, You like sculpting clay? And and Lisa's got this all on video, so if you want to see it, it's the cutest thing in the world. I just couldn't fit it on the slide. But anyway, goes up. Yeah, I really like that. 
Um, so what have you made? Well, I made, I made a kitty cat as a present for my sister for Christmas. And of course the crowd is all like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so he says, really? So you made a kitty cat? <laughs> Eliana says, yeah, but it broke. It broke, yeah, I was trying to put it in the package to wrap it up for my sister, and the ears fell off, and so did the tail. <laughs> and of course, everyone's like, oh. And the guy says, he goes, oh, that's, that's too bad. So fortunately, it's made out of clay. You can make another one. To which Eliana replies, no, I ran out of clay. <laughs> <laughs> MC comes back, he goes, oh, Santa, please bring this kid some clay, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. And then he's, he, uh, it happened to be in the same theater where they did the Christmas Carol. He says, do you know what the set's for? Yeah, it's for the Christmas Carol. Have you ever seen it? No. I'd like to um, give your family tickets to go see the Christmas Carol. It was really cool, right? I mean, just because she was honest and adorable, right? She's just adorable. and it doesn't. So I'm lucky that she's cute, right? <laughs> I got to go see, just go see the play be, because of that. So, you know, Here's, here's the thing. You probably have stories like that, too, where your kids have just done something and, and you know, you win a prize, you get something. But, but the thing of it is, is that in both those circumstances, because of her cuteness in this particular case, we got special access to something. Isn't, isn't, that's really the cool part, right? It's like, yeah, it's a great story, but, you know, we get to be the royal family, or we got free tickets, or, you know, sometimes you get free food, whatever it happens to be. You know, there's, there's circumstances, and those things happen to us, and we're all excited because we get this special access to something. And we, are, we actually talked about this last week on a spiritual level, this idea of having some kind of special access. And I want to remind you a little bit of how that, how that went. So, in the book of Ephesians, this letter that Paul writes to this church that he helped found in this very influential city— he writes this in the first chapter. He says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So there's this idea of adoption, and what we learned last week is that this is a legal term that means that that person is brought into the family and has all the rights and privileges, legally speaking, that can be theirs as if they were flesh and blood. It's a big deal, right? Adoption as sons of God through Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on to write, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Now, this is really an important thing because when we talk about adoption having legal rights to it, here it is. It has to do with inheritance. And so the Holy Spirit is given to us this side of heaven, more or less, this side of heaven, in order to be a, a deposit guaranteeing that there is something else coming. Does that make sense? So you have this adoption, and then you have essentially an affirmation of that by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So it, it guarantees something. You're sealed with it. There's, it's, this is an important piece. Of course, he continues to write on, and I, um, write uh, in addition to that, in chapter 2, this. For through Jesus, we both, meaning Paul himself and those in Ephesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. We have access 
to the Father by one Spirit. Now, this, this is an important thing. We have access to God through His Spirit. Talk about being part of a royal family. Shh, don't tell Harry and Meghan, okay? Just keep that one to yourself. But if you're adopted into that and you have access to it, this is a, this is a big deal. Now, there's a, a, a term here in Greek used for access. Um, prosagogi, which is fun to say. And it means access or approach, and it's not used very often in the New Testament. In fact, Paul's the only one who uses it, from what I can tell, at least in this form, uh, and he uses it three times. One is here, and then the next one is in Romans. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Special access, right? We have been given access to God through Jesus. Interestingly enough, the third place, the third place where we find this particular word is again in Ephesians chapter 3. In him and through faith in him, we may approach, different form of the word, approach God with freedom and confidence. Or better, in him we have access to God with freedom and confidence. Hmm. So we have access here. Faith in Jesus brings access to God and we can do so with boldness and freedom. Quick question. Do you have that access? Are you freely and boldly talking with God? Are you freely and with confidence talking with God? Perhaps you had access all this time but never realized it. Think of it this way. Cute kid, offered tickets, but we still had to go pick them up. Does that make sense? We still had to go up to the will call window and access our tickets. The tickets were already paid for. We had a spot reserved for us in the theater, but we actually had to go and pick it up. And I wonder if that's kind of how we treat God sometimes. Is that, yes, we have all of these benefits, we have access to this, but we don't actually go pick up the tickets. I wonder how often that happens. And I'm not saying that in a condemning sort of way. I think sometimes we forget that this is what's possible. I want you to also notice something else. Is that we can, we can approach God, we have access to God, We can approach him with freedom and with confidence. Interesting words, freedom and confidence here. Freedom, we have freedom when we approach God in a a couple of different ways. First of all, we have freedom in timing. We can go access God whenever we need to. And as many times as you want. Because believe it or not, God does not get sick of you like your spouse does. He doesn't. Because he has that perfect love that, he's, that he constantly is, and I love how Rebecca said this, he's constantly reaching out. He's constantly reaching out with it, and I think it's very true. And so we have this freedom in timing that you can, you can uh, 
uh, approach him that you can access him whenever you want, whenever you need, and as many times as you want as you need, and he doesn't get tired of you. So one is, is the idea of quantity, a quantity of time. Um, but the secondly is we have freedom in quality. You know, you can be candid with God. You can have a certain amount of frankness. He's not afraid of your questions. And it's okay to ask questions. In fact, I think God kind of expects it, and I think he's a little disappointed when we don't ask questions because we've all got questions. Sometimes we're just afraid to ask them. Because, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. Especially if you spend a lot of time in church, there are certain things that are off limits, right? Be honest now. It's true. There are certain things that we're not supposed to talk about, even though that we've all got some doubts around that. God's not afraid of that. Now, the pastor of the church might be terrified of the question, but God's not. God's not afraid of those. And I think that's one of the things that we, we need to think about when we're talking about access to God is, yes, he can handle even those big, deep questions where you're like, yeah, I don't know about this. That's okay. You're not the first person to ask it. <laughs> I'm fairly certain of that. There's a 2,000-year history of people asking tough questions of God, and I don't think he's afraid of any of them. So we have this freedom to access God in the number of times and in the, the quality of our questions, it's, it's, it's perfectly okay. And again, I want you to hear this. I think God expects those questions, especially as you grow and mature in your faith. I think God expects those things. And then secondly, the word here is confidence, which is trust. And I think that you can trust that he will hear you and he will respond. However, I'm going to put just a little bit of a caution on that. Yes, God hears you, always. God will respond, but that response may not look like what you think it's supposed to look like. That's just the truth of it. I know there have been many times where I have thought one thing and realized, nope, that's not it at all. And you probably have those stories too. But God does hear we see this throughout the text. And even when your prayers, when you feel like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling back at you, God still hears those. And sometimes that answer is not yet. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes it's yes, hang on. I hate that answer. But that's the thing that we can trust. That's the confidence that we have that God actually hears us. That God actually will respond to us at some point. And the interesting thing to me is when we, when we talk about this idea of having access to God and, and the trust and confidence that we can have in him, Jesus actually underscored all of this. It's in Matthew chapter 7. And he's, he's giving a series of teachings. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? You know, some of you would be like, yeah, I would do that just because it'd be funny, right? No, 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 okay. Or if you ask for a fish, we'll give him a snake. Well, yeah, then DHS is going to come talk to you. You're not going to do that, right? <clears throat> if you then, though you are evil, <laughs> okay, Jesus, don't hold, hold back. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, you, will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I think one of the great lies of the enemy is he gets us to doubt this. That God gives good gifts over and over and over again. It's that idea of reaching out. Very often, 
the thing that he's giving is him, himself, and that's a good gift. You know, it strikes me, <clears throat> as I was thinking about this this morning, um, maybe your dad was awful. Or maybe your dad was absent. And I want you to hear this from me. God is not your dad in that sense. There's a term in psychology, it's called projecting. Very often we project our relationship with our own father onto God. That is not God. He's perfect, and he gives good gifts. Always. Even though we don't often completely understand them, there's good gifts that he gives over and over and over. He loves you perfectly, and he will continue to give you good gifts. Now, here's the elephant in the room, okay? Because there is one. Um, I've been thinking about our triangle, our discipleship triangle here. and We're really talking about this relationship at the bottom, and, and here's the elephant in the room. Whether you choose to do theme for the year, like we did at the beginning of the year, where you choose a theme with God and something that two of you are working on, or if you choose to, to journal, um, like some of us are doing, or if you choose to do some other type of spiritual practice, whatever it is, whether you're fasting or praying or, or studying, or what, what, whatever it is. The elephant in the room is that sometimes, very often, connecting with God is a scary thing. Connecting with God is a scary thing. Yes, he's good, but it's a little scary. In fact, very often, very often throughout the text, any time a human being has an encounter with something angelic, something holy, something from God, usually the first response is fear. Not always, but usually. Abject terror. In my house growing up, it'd be change your underwear kind of terror, right? Oof. That's the initial response. And so connecting with God is a scary thing. Just be honest about that. And that's, that's perfectly okay. And here's where the, for some reason, we're you know, a little more modern, we're a little more sophisticated, and so that fear looks a little bit different. But here's the ones that I often hear, okay? Right? Okay. What if God sends me to Africa? Trust me. There was a moment when I said, what if God sends me to Oklahoma? <laughs> what if God sends me to Africa? Look, if that's not already in your heart, probably it's not something God's going to ask you to do. I rarely find people who have been asked to do something that they are absolutely opposed to. Every now and then. But you know what's interesting is that God slowly leads them on a path to get them to that point. Why? Because he's a good father. And he gives good gifts. And he doesn't just go poof sometimes. But, not, but that's not normally how it goes because he understands you. And he understands what you need in that moment. And he'll bring you along and bring you to that place that you, that you need to be. Or here's the other one. What if God asked me, to some, asked me to talk to someone that I'm uncomfortable talking to? Well, I don't know how to help you with that one. <laughs> because, I mean, that's just part of being human, I think. 
But again, I think God gives you the words and you have to be open to those words and be willing to actually speak them when he gives them to you. And I'm not talking about confrontation here. It just struck me. I'm not talking about confrontation because sometimes you have to confront people with certain things. Like, there are, okay, there's a certain type of Christian who just love pointing out when other people are sinning. Have you ever met somebody like that? Oh, they're fun. Look, if you're going to talk to someone about their sin, first of all, A, that's not your job. And if it is your job, then you better be prayed up and that better be a Holy Spirit-directed thing. And I think what happens over and over and over again to people is that they feel like it's their job. <laughs> it's the Committee for Doctrinal Purity and, and Holiness, self-appointed, Right? And they just feel like they're the ones who are supposed to tell you, you know what, that's not your job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. If the Holy Spirit is going to use you, you best be prayed up over that one and you better approach it with fear and trembling. It's important. What if I have to talk to someone? Well, then God will bring you along and give you the words to say. <laughs> what if God says plant a church? Yeah, don't ask me about that one. And then there's this other whole other category. And it's the hard one. Because there are certain places in our heart that we have closed off. There's things in our history that we're not proud of. There's stuff that we've said that we really wish we could have taken back. We've made decisions that have not only impacted ourselves, but the people around us. And by the way, sin always affects somebody else always affects somebody else. And you got that little place in your heart and you're afraid because what if God asked me to deal with that? What if he's going to knock on that door? What if I let him into my heart and he starts opening doors going, what's in here? What's in here? What's in here? How many of you have got that one drawer in your house that you don't like when other people see? I mean, you know it's there, right? There's just stuff in there. It's, it's the junk drawer. Or maybe it's that one closet that you got a bunch of stuff in. You know, the house is nice and neat except for that. And you know, we want Jesus to see the nice part of the house, but Jesus is much more interested in that closet that you got hidden away. And we're afraid. It's natural to be afraid number of reasons for that. Deep, dark secret, whatever it is. You know, here's the thing that I really want you to, to understand more than anything else. Actually, let me go back to that slide. God does not want to embarrass you. God wants you to be free. Church, hear me. God does not want to embarrass you. He wants you to be free. And believe it or not, sometimes that freedom may be found in going into Africa or Oklahoma or somewhere else. And sometimes freedom is found in doing something that just seems really strange to where you are right now. And sometimes it's dealing with that stuff that you'd really like to forget. But those are the reasons why he's a good father because he wants you to be free. He doesn't want to embarrass you.
Yeah, maybe you had a dad who liked to embarrass you. That's not God. He doesn't want to do that. This morning as I was um, prepping for this, this doesn't happen very often, but when it does, I try to pay close attention to it. I had the sense that, um, that God wanted to uh, deal with something. Um, disconnection was the word that kept coming to my mind. In fact, he said, pray for those who feel disconnected. I don't know what disconnected means to you. I know what I think it means, but um, when God says, hey, I think you need to pray about that, I think we ought to pray about that. Because the disconnection here at the bottom part of our triangle affects the disconnection that we have in the rest of our lives. So if you're feeling disconnected, God's thinking about you. Wow. God's thinking about you. Maybe you don't use that word. Maybe you got another word for it, but you're just feeling off or you're feeling... Um, out of touch or out of the loop or uh, I feel like a growing distance between me and another person. I don't know what it is. Something like that. Um, Maybe you're feeling a little disillusioned with something. That's a disconnection. Maybe you're afraid of something. That's a disconnection too. So we're going to pray about disconnection. And then um, when I'm done and um, Dan's going to come back and sing and um, I'm going to go back there like I usually do and uh, if you're feeling disconnected and you want, want want some if you're feeling disconnected and you don't want to feel disconnected you may have to take the first step in order to reconnect and may, maybe you need to just take a step towards me or Pastor James or those of us who are back there to pray for you. Don't be afraid. Um, I've been doing this now for, I don't know, 10 years more. I don't, I don't keep count. There's probably nothing that you're going to tell me that I haven't heard before or it's not going to shock me. You would be surprised what people tell, tell me. <laughs> so, but that's not the point. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters that you feel disconnected and God is reaching out towards you because he's a good father and he wants you to be free.